Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Thank you for joining us on Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. And when you want to talk about a group of people who are making a difference, I was looking back at the year, and in April, we participated in the Bonanza Biscayne Bay cleanup. And when I saw all of the volunteers who came out to clean up the waterways in South Florida, it was very motivational. And also hearing the mayor talk about the Miami-Dade 305 Green Initiative, I think we all came away both more conscious about obviously not throwing garbage away on the ground in the wrong places, And also not leaving plastics or cans lying around that can do so much damage, in addition to becoming more conscious about recycling, both to save money and resources. And of course, this is something we're really supposed to do all year round, every day, and particularly during the holiday season when we generate a lot more waste than usual between the feasts and the gift-giving, decorations, and more. So we are going to get some guidelines on best practices for recycling. I am happy to welcome back to the program the one person I know who makes garbage and recycling both fun and interesting, Jean-Marie Massa, Recycling Manager for the Miami-Dade County Solid Waste Department. Good morning. Good morning, Ellen. Nice to talk to you today. As always, you I love your energy. You are always upbeat. And as I say all the time, you're the only person I know who can really make garbage sound like fun. But it is. Well, and people will believe me by the time we finish this conversation. You know, for some people, recycling has become second nature. They just do it as part of their daily routine. For others, still something that they're striving to do and some maybe not even trying at all. From your viewpoint, what is the biggest problem with recycling today? It has to be for our curbside recycling program and throughout the nation, uh, putting the wrong materials in your recycling cart. And some of it is because people are genuinely not sure and they're thinking, oh, I'll err on the side of putting it in. And then some people, I think they kind of don't get the idea at all. I don't know. I don't want to say they don't care, but I have to, I hate to say this, especially at the beginning of the program, but when in doubt, throw it out. The wrong stuff has just really become a problem. So what are the wrong items that you're finding in recycling? What should people not put in the recycling carts? Okay, well, I'm going to start with the worst. The absolute worst thing would be plastic bags. Do not ever put any kind of plastic bag in your recycling cart. And especially don't put a plastic bag with good recyclable materials inside in your recycling cart. It does not get recycled. The bags themselves actually disable the equipment at the recycling facility where they separate and sort everything. They actually have to shut down the plant every few hours and dig the bags out. And it's a manual for, I mean, people have to get inside and dig the bags out because the materials go across a conveyor belt. And people think of that as like a rubber flat conveyor, but it's not. It's really something called a star screen, and it's because it's made up of these rotating pieces of metal that look like stars. 
And um, in the perfect world, the recyclables kind of bump along on these stars and broken bits of glass and bottle caps and little pieces of items fall through that aren't going to be able to be recycled. But when a plastic bag gets on that conveyor area, it just snags one of those stars and just wraps around. And that's what causes the problem. So plastic bags are kind of bad for everything. I mean, that's where we find animals get stuck in them. And if you really want to recycle them, most of the grocery stores now have bins where you can put your plastic bags and they can then recycle them their own way. That's exactly right. And they do get recycled that way. There's companies that make plastic lumber and a lot of it is made out of that low density polyethylene, those bags. So, um, you know, it's like nothing's horrible. You just have to do it the right way. But yeah, don't put those in the recycling cart. That's like the number one bad thing. And then, of course, there's people that I have pictures. You would not believe. I have pictures of carts with like tree limbs sticking out and like a metal chair. So we got to stick to the basics, you know, cans, bottles, paper, cardboard, cartons. That's it. That sounds like a rhyme as a good way to remember it. Cans, bottles, paper, cardboard, cartons. But now there are different kinds of cans and bottles and paper and cardboard and cartons. Well, cardboard and cartons are pretty much okay. What about, you know, we all have things delivered more now than ever. What about the tape that holds the cartons together when it's being shipped? Yes, that's a good question. Actually, the tape and the packing labels, those are not an issue. You know, like, don't rip the tape off and then put it inside the box or something like that. (laughs) But, yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, And the um, packing bubbles and all that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. That doesn't get recycled. But if you get, you know, your, um, well, oh, my gosh, there's been so much more cardboard. I'm sure you can imagine. But just flatten the box, put it in your recycling cart, and if you have so much that it's, like, sticking up out of the cart, That's a problem because when they lift the cart, it doesn't go in the truck. I mean, it usually ends up falling on the ground. So Uh. you really, I'm sorry that we have to make you work a little bit for this, but you need to flatten your boxes, tear them, do something so they can fit inside your cart with the lid closed. Okay. And what if you have a box and it's not so big and it fits inside the cart before you flattened it? Uh, It Yeah, that's good. Because depending on how big it is, so let's say you put your nice clean soup cans and soda cans and they're on the bottom of the cart and you even have your plastic water bottle or soda bottle and that's there and then you put this box and you shove it in because you want to make the lid close. So you cram it in really (laughs) good. You know, you stand up there and you get it in and then you close the car. So now the truck comes by and the automated arm comes out and the little, you know, claw hand opens and closes around the cart. And of course, it kind of squishes it in just ever so slightly to get a good grip, picks it up, drops it in the top of the truck and puts it back down. So then you come out and you go, my box is still there and there's that stuff underneath it because it didn't allow the box to flow out because it grabbed it and it got was too snug. So that's why we ask that you tear up your cardboard or, or flatten it, you know, do something so that it doesn't get stuck in there. And then, you know, don't let anything underneath it fall out either. 
Right. Or fall into the box, making it even more complicated. Oh, yes. Right. What about cans and bottles? What are the correct things to recycle? You know, if it's a food or beverage container, a can or a bottle, it's okay for recycling. We want it to be empty. And I don't want anybody to, you know, waste any water washing out their cans and bottles. But, you know, make sure it's empty. And, and if you had beans in that can or some kind of, you know, good sticky stuff, you may want to just put a drop or two. Just wish it around so that, number one, you're not going to attract bugs in your recycling. And uh, just clean it out that way. Um, I know I talked to a lady once and she said, well, you know, I pour a little water in the can and I swish it around. Then I water my plants with it because they like the extra nutrients. (laughs) It's brilliant. I never talked to her plants, but um, she seemed to, everything seemed happy at her house. Yeah, it sounds like a good plan to me. And then do we still need to be paying attention to the little triangle with the one or the two or the three? Right. Oh, so glad you said that. No. No, don't even look for a triangle or look or look at the number because it just really, our program, it's like, it, that doesn't matter. So if it's a bottle or a can and it had like a screw top for the bottle, that's definitely, that's definitely A-OK. So I, I don't know how better to explain what a bottle is, but it, it has, <laughs> usually it has a screw top of some kind, and then it would be fine for recycling. Do the screw tops go in along with the bottle? Oh, great. Don't take them off and toss them in, because that's going to be something that's going to fall through the cracks when it gets to the plant. So if you want, what I tell people, you know, take your bottle, empty it out, especially the water bottles, give it a little squish, you know, to like maybe flatten it a little bit and then put the cap back on and put it in. But, and I know this is so much easier now because I can't imagine the teeniest bit of plastic they're using as little as possible to make it still sturdy enough. Yeah. So don't make it into a hockey puck, even though (laughs) you are strong enough to do it. Turn away from that. Don't do it. (laughs) And just give it a squish in the middle, you know, flatten it lengthwise and put the cap back on. Once you've collected all of our garbage that can be recycled, where does it go? Oh, this is so cool. It goes to a place called a Materials Recovery Facility, uh, MRF. And a lot of times, you know, I'll get going and I'll be talking and I'll say, oh, and it goes to the MRF. And, you know, people are going, what is she talking about? It's a facility where the materials are sorted so that the uh, cans end up with the cans and the bottles with the bottles and the steel cans with the steel cans, the aluminum cans with the aluminum cans. And the paper sorted, and it's both mechanical and people do the sorting because there's all kinds of really cool things. I mean, you would figure a magnet could pull out uh, a steel can, you know, a can of beans, perfect, the magnet can do it. But the soda cans are all aluminum. Well, they have something called an eddy current separator, and it is so neat. Instead of, like, making the can want to come to it like a magnet, you know, uh, pulling it in, the can goes by, and it is repelled. Oh, my so gosh. It- Ping goes right off into a container that's waiting below when it goes by the Eddie Current <laughs> So I know it is so neat. I mean, I, sometimes I get an opportunity to talk to kids. There's all kinds of science, you know, involved in this and engineering. And it's a great, oh my gosh, recycling is so wonderful. <laughs> you know, you mentioned engineering. I was going to ask, did you have to study engineering to understand all of this? Oh my goodness, no. 
Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Because you throw off, you know, things like eddy current, blah, blah, blah. Separator. And yeah, a separator. And it sounds like you actually know engineering. <laughs> yes. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I learned that specifically for that reason. Okay. <laughs> now, we also just call it the pingy thing that pings against the aluminum and shoots it into another container. Okay. So when people recycle the wrong things, basically they get rejected or they muck up the equipment and it creates a problem. Why do people recycle the wrong items? You know, it's kind of like what I said at the beginning. There are people who they want to help the environment so badly. They really do think they're doing good. And, and they look at something and they say, oh, I wish this could be recycling. In fact, we have a name for that, too. It's called wish cycling. Oh, funny. And um, that really comes into play, especially with textiles. And you wouldn't believe people will carefully fold up blankets and towels and even sometimes clothing and put it in the cart thinking it's going to get recycled because it's going to the recycling plant. And, oh my gosh, that so does not get recycled because you figure, okay, so here's this nice clean towel and it's in a blue cart with uh, soda bottles that, you know, have, okay, so they didn't empty it all the way, have a little bit of soda on the bottom and there's some dirty water in one of the cans where someone tried to get out the rest of the stuff, you know. Anyway, there's liquid in there. So all the stuff goes into a truck. And the truck compacts the materials because we want to get as much material in the truck as we can. So what absorbs this moisture, all this liquidy stuff, are these clean textiles. Mm. And when the truck dumps at a MRF, it goes on to what is called a tipping floor, which is just a great big floor where a front loader picks up the stuff to get it on the conveyor belt so we can do further sorting. But this stuff is disgusting. Oh my gosh, it's all gray and icky and has whatever was in there. So nobody can use that. That that becomes garbage. And I feel bad because I know the person was thinking someone could use this nice fresh towel or these clothes that are gently used. You know? So they need to go to the right place. And the blue card is not the right place. No, you take you it know. to a, a place that accepts charity donations. Blankets and towels can be used if they're not in good enough condition for people, many of whom need those things. They're certainly good enough for the Humane Society. Yes. Yeah, they, they right. always need towels to clean up with the animals and blankets to make little cozy beds for them. And, you know, if they're in good enough condition, there are homeless people who need blankets or people right. who aren't homeless who still need right. those things. So there are many, many charity organizations, and that would be the better place to give the textiles to. Exactly. Not in the blue cart. So what can you do with other things that can't be recycled in Miami-Dade's program? thinking, you know, if something is gently used again, it needs to be donated. It doesn't get recycled if it's in the cart. For some reason, people are enamored with organics, you know, with tree limbs. And of course, <laughs> jingle bells, jing you know, Christmas is coming and there's going to be a whole bunch of trees after that. And none of those go into your recycling cart. Um, it's just we don't handle that. 
you can, you know, if you live in Miami-Dade County, you can bring your trees to the neighborhood trash and recycling center if you're in our service area. And there's lots of other things to do, but nothing like that goes in the recycling cart. It's really limited to bottles, cans, paper, cardboard, and cartons. And by cartons, we mean like the milk and juice cartons. Because you know what? Those are actually made out of pretty high-grade paper with like a plastic sleeve around them. And in the recycling process, that plastic comes off. The, the whole thing goes into something called a hydropulper, which is like a great big blender with water and a, a liquid material. That's how the paper is recycled. So when those cartons go in there, the plastic kind of comes off and they just scrape that off. And that high-grade paper is used to make new paper. Okay, awesome. Now, you mentioned the holidays and, you know, there's a lot of garbage that comes from holiday meals, from decorations, and from gift giving. And as you're talking about paper, I'm thinking about wrapping paper. You know, wrapping paper is okay for recycling as long as it's just paper. I know that there's all kinds of really gorgeous paper that has glitter on it or whatever. That Go ahead and put that in the garbage. Let it become electricity at our waste-to-energy plant. But regular paper is fine to put in. No ribbon. Sorry, ribbons and bows are not acceptable for recycling. It, it just, they're just It's not paper. And do you have <laughs> so, to take the scotch tape off? You know, not really. And Unless, like I said, I, we all know people who are really intense about wrapping their packages and there's almost as much tape as paper on it so in that case i'm gonna default to the garbage when in doubt throw it out but just you know when you wrap a package and there's a little tape on either end that's perfectly okay okay now what about things like i know you in the water management they're always pushing the can the grease oh yes oh i'm so glad you said that not only to remind everyone don't throw anything down your drain like that put the grease in a can and then put it in the garbage because that's not recyclable anymore but it is going for the greater good um actually that'll go to the waste energy plant too and they pull the metals out at the end okay because i imagine that the grease will really muck up the equipment that is working. It's not going to help it work better. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. It's not like, yes, right. You've got it perfectly. No, no good. And it'll make a mess out of everything else, including paper, because, you know, paper is kind of fragile in the recycling world. Wet paper, depending on how damp, might be able to be recycled, depending on how, you know, how badly people are trying to purchase paper. But Paper with grease, no good. Paper that, you know, was at the bottom of the parakeet cage, no good. No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead and put that, put that in the garbage. Let it become electricity. Okay. I, I, you just made me think about the recycling attention they must have to pay at Zoo Miami with oh, all of I their... Oh, I even think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but for those of us who are just average residents and we don't have, you know, wild animals that we're dealing with and their leftovers, what is the best way that we can get more information? Or let's say we end up every week with too much recycling. Can we get an oh. extra bin? Yes, yes. And if you're ending up with too much recycling, first, make sure you're putting the right materials in your cart. Second, make sure you're flattening your bottles. And then if you still need a cart, we are doing our best to meet, you know, all demands. So that's why I would say do the best you can to flatten and put only the right things in your recycling cart. And if you've cleaned things, you can hold on to them until the next recycling cycle and then put them in the bin. Right. And we were 
talking about the grease in the cans. So Miami Dade Water and Sewer says can the grease and then put that can in your garbage. Okay. <laughs> go to waste to energy. And um, other things like, you know, we're talking about aluminum cans. Yay, great. Aluminum pans. Boo, no. <laughs> so those are not acceptable for recycling, especially after you cook the turkey in them. But it's not the same kind of aluminum as a can. Uh, okay, okay, got it. So you're talking about the disposable aluminum pans with the ridges, right. the ones that you buy at the grocery store for a single use, those go in the garbage. Exactly, exactly, okay. yes. All right. Yes. Now, you've got a whole website dedicated to this, a whole page at the Miami-Dade County government website. What's the address to get this information or to sign up or request any information? It's Miami-Dade, www.miamidade.gov slash recycling. And residents can also call 311, the county's answer center, if they have questions, that kind of thing. And we actually have an app for Android and phone. It is pretty cool. So you can always get that on your phone as well. Okay. The Miami-Dade County Solid Waste app. Get those features or just go to miamiday.gov slash recycling. You can read all of these details that we just told you. And the main thing is to join the energy saving, the money saving benefits of recycling as long as you're recycling the correct items. Yes. Amen. Thank you. Every time we talk, it's like you make it so interesting and fun. Thank you. Thank you for that, because it's really an important thing for us and our planet that we try every day to do the right thing and reuse the items that we can to save energy and money both. So again, it's MiamiDade.gov Recycling. Jean Marie Massa, Recycling Manager for the Miami-Dade Solid Waste Department. Happy holidays to you and thank you for giving us all this information. Oh, you're so welcome and happy holidays to you too. And thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Always a pleasure and we'll have you back again. Okay, thanks. Joining us now on Community Focus, I'm so happy to welcome the president and CEO of Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida. They work to empower individuals to create affordable housing opportunities and also revitalize neighborhoods in South Florida. Kimberly Henderson, president and CEO. I have to imagine that with the price of housing these days and interest rates going up, your work has to be kind of challenging right now. Yeah. And when you do work like this, the average age of people that come through our programs is in their 40s. And I think if you looked at the average age overall, Uh, For people that don't access these programs, I would say the average age is probably in the late 20s. So it shows you that for segments of the population, because they don't have the income, they may not have a family history of home ownership, it takes them longer. It takes them longer to save for down payment. They may be struggling with understanding the U.S. financial services system. If they come from other countries where to purchase a home, you have to pay for it all up front. Or I think the least I've heard in most countries is 30 percent. So most people are paying half to 100 percent of the house and they have to save that money. 
I, I can't even imagine someone saving enough money to purchase a home <laughs> right out unless they are within that one or two percent at the top who have so much cash that, you know, buying a house right out is like taking the wallet, the money out of their wallet. It's no big deal for the rest of us. You know, even a 20 percent down payment, which is standard, is difficult to come up with. Right. And what you do at Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida is you're helping people to get in with special programs. Is that correct? We do. At Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida, we help people by providing education and training. Most first-time homeowners use community lending programs that are offered by most of your large major banks, and they use government-sponsored down payment assistance programs. And if you do that, all those programs require that they have a HUD eight-hour homebuyer course. And Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida is a HUD certified housing counseling agency. So we not only counsel people to go through the homebuyer process, we counsel broadly in financial literacy to help them be mortgage ready, to become mortgage ready. And then after they purchase, we also provide training to help for homeownership sustainability so that they don't lose the home through default or through fraud or through foreclosure of any sort. So we're sort of full service in that way. And one of the reasons why I think it's important, it's a part of the American creed. We measure collectively in our culture success by becoming owners of our own home. That's a big measurement for most of us. Right. And we also know that home ownership has been used as a strategy for decades now to propel the middle class. You know, it's been a big way for us to measure the strength of the middle class and also to help people enter into the middle class. And having lived in developing countries before where, you know, the percentage of the population that owns their own home is minuscule, I really feel like it's important that we take all sorts of measures to keep some social mobility and economic mobility going, to have a broad middle class. A hundred percent. And if you listen to people who talk about the good old days, the best times in America, it was when we had a strong middle class and yes. most people were able to afford a home for themselves. It didn't have to be a fancy home, but they had mm -hmm. a home. They had somewhere stable, shelter over their head. And the home was always something they could use as a form of equity if they needed a loan for an emergency or under whatever circumstances they needed it. And it just seems like over the last 20 years, maybe even 30 years, our middle class has been dissipating and people are falling into lower middle class or lower class. And the other end of the spectrum is the very few who have tons of money to spend. Now, earlier this year, you launched this huge multi-year initiative, Advancing Cities. It's an investment of $5 million from J.P. Morgan. And I understand this is a way to advance equity for Black and Hispanic women in our community. Can you talk about that? I am so excited. It's such an honor to be recognized and to receive this funding from J.P. Morgan Chase Foundation. We are one of five 
organizations or collaboratives in five different cities across the United States. And our proposal that was so well received was that what the requirement was that it focused on Black and Latina women. And what we wanted to focus on uh, with our partner, uh, the Miami Workers Center and Catless Miami, is worker-owned cooperatives led by Black and Latina women. And these are women that are very often working in the informal community in the care economy. And as we saw with the pandemic, they're on the front lines. Yes. Uh, These are women that we are relying on to help take care of our homes, to help take care of our children, to help take care of our aging parents, to take care of us if we're sick, to do all sorts of work that keeps them exposed and often uh, do a very difficult work without earning pay that would allow them to have a living wage and a sustainable income for their families. And so we think that by incubating and training these women to form worker cooperatives where all the women become owners, that it is one of the best ways to increase their income increase the viability of their business and position them to prosper and to have a sustainable living wage, you know, to have what many of us enjoy that are in the middle class. So that's the crux of it. And, you know, worker-owned cooperatives have been around for a while, but they've, you know, not been, I think, as broadly or aggressively used as a strategy for organizing our economy as they can be. And you can also imagine or think about it from the standpoint of a consumer. I've had people come to my home to do yard work, to do cleaning. I used to be a foster parent to take care of kids. And I sometimes wonder, am I paying them fairly? You know, is it good? And so what consumers can think is I have an alternative. You know, I can procure my services from a worker-owned cooperative where all the workers are not just employees, they're owners. Right. And they're going to earn a fair wage for this work. What information do people need to reach out to Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida if they are ready to become financially literate and achieve their goal of homeownership? Well, I think the first thing they need to know is that we offer our courses online. We're completely digitized, which makes it easier. Uh, Folks can interface with us via phone, via the online platforms that we have or they can also make an appointment and come into the office. We're open back up and have on-site classes. You had asked before, how can people work with us if they feel like they don't want to go into a class situation? We do have self-paced online e-learning as well, where you can learn in a computerized course that is accepted by HUD, but we do charge a small fee for that. And that's available off our website. But otherwise, they can enroll in our classes at nhssf.org or call 305-751-5511. That's 305-751-5511. 
Okay, that is perfect. Thank you so much. Kimberly Henderson, President, CEO of Neighborhood Housing Services of South Florida, NHSSF.org. It is possible to own your own home with their help. Don't hesitate to call or visit the website. And thank you so much for listening today to Community Focus. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-S-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all-new edition of Community Focus, and you have a wonderful day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.